A Podcast One production. Hi, I'm Nat Kringudis. And I'm Cecilia Ramsdale. Welcome to The Wellness Collective, a podcast where we invite you to be part of our wellness community to share, learn and live better. Cecilia, have you ever thought mm. in the heat of the moment or an argument or just an awful situation that maybe it's all your fault, like <laughs> all your fault. All my fault. Yeah, well, because... It would never be all my fault. Well, I guess not. But, you know, what about if you find yourself in the same situation repeatedly? Well, they say that's the... Um, Definition of insanity? Yeah. Doing the same thing over and over yes. again and expecting a different outcome? And you should say that. At the end of last year, I made a conscious decision to change a few things in my life because I felt like I was in that situation Uh where I kept doing the same thing over and over and getting the same outcome and expecting a different one. And since I made those changes, I have been a lot happier. Well, I think some of us take on too much of things we don't need to or try and protect other people from feeling or there's all sorts of things that we do that aren't really serving the relationship, even though at the time we think it is. And also overcommitting to things. Mm. I've been very conscious lately of I always say yes, mm. but then I realise that my cup runneth over. Cup runneth over. <laughs> <laughs> well, our guest today is not going to actually stand for any of that. Oh, no, she is not. I wish she could have seen the screen because she is awesome and animated and uh-huh. that would have added value, I think, to... Mm-hmm. But you'll hear it in her voice anyway. You will. We'll let her introduce herself. I'm Lauren Zander. I am the co-founder of the Handel Group, uh, which is an executive life coaching company. Love it. And we are also an education company, which means we teach in universities. So we got a copy of your book in the mail. Thank you very much. It arrived on my desk and I was like, did I ask for this? (laughs) And then I opened it and the title says, maybe it's you. (laughs) I'm like, is it? Maybe. (laughs) More than likely. I get where we're going with this. So I'd love to hear a little bit first um, before we really throw into things as to how we or how you arrived at writing Maybe It's You. So Maybe It's You is the tagline that I've been using my whole career for any time I have an issue. I'm like, oh, maybe it's me, <laughs> right? Like, and, and then by the time you get to the point where you go, maybe it's me, cross out, I cross out the maybe and I get to it's me. So any problem... I think anyone's really having in their own life, it'd be better if you just started at maybe it's you. I agree totally. So um, (laughs) I'm going to keep on talking because I actually have hogged the book and read it. Yeah, I haven't had it. Cecilia hasn't had the privilege. I think what was really interesting is that I started reading your book and I'm really generally the glass half full type of person. Mm -hmm. I People say my superpower is making everything okay and that I generally tend to do that. What I found really interesting was that when you categorise, so you at one point ask people to think about all areas of their life and you kind of put it into little categories. So it was like relationships, li- your, um, where you live, your job, um, your family, whatever it might be. Mm. And I, I looked at that. It was really confronting because if I mm. actually broke it down into these segments of my life, 
Uh-huh. If you had have asked me on the whole, how happy you are generally, how satisfied are you, um, how fulfilled are you, I would have probably said maybe 85%. When I looked at them all individually, I'm like, yeah, maybe it's 50%. And then if you add <laughs> right. that up over an average, I'm nowhere near 85%. Is this a common thing? And can you talk a little bit about why it's so important for us to segregate those areas of our lives? So when I want a person to face their inner dialogue or face themselves, which we're not really all that good at. I broke life out into 12 different areas. One, mainly because I want a person to really confront dreaming. Like, what is your vision for your whole life? And what happens with most humans is they pick their body, their career, and their love life. And then everything else kind of gets squashed, right? Like absolutely nobody cares. And as you get older and older, you think all of your life and the worth of your life has to only do with your career. And then, you know, you gave up on your body for your career and the last time you got laid, right? And so then they just stick to the same three areas and they try to make them great, but they forgot all about all the other areas of life. So when I get a person to actually take a time out and really design their life, think about their whole life, the only way to truly do it is to separate out all the topics and really make you face yourself so you have a vision and you can actually deal with how much that's stopping you or helping you or messing with you. Like you, you, you actually have to face all of those things um, to truly have an amazing life, right? What, what this is all about is if you haven't, you know, you would go, I love my career. I look great. And did you see my cute boyfriend? Right. And so, and then you're like, I must be great. And I'm like, how's your relationship with your brother? And how would you describe your spirituality? And you're like, Three years ago, I tried meditation, right? So you might then throw everything out, right? And not have any idea the difference, the privilege of being alive is. Can I ask you, when did you decide that you were good at self-reflection? Because I think it's something that, well, obviously you've written a whole book and you've got a whole career and mm. trying to help people mm. to do it. Why mm. do we have mm. so much trouble actually going, all right, I'm going to look at the way I handled that and perhaps I could change what's going on? So I'm an interesting case because I could get anything I wanted, any guy I wanted, any job I wanted, any, like I was a big mouth, charismatic, la, 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 like that. <laughs> but if you really followed me around, you would find out pre-internet and cell phones, I was an extraordinary liar. And I believed that no matter where I, like you had no right to know where I was. My parents had no right to, like I could lie anywhere, anytime to anyone and go, this is my life. And so at some point I woke up to, I had everything I wanted, but couldn't feel a thing, right? It wasn't any, like it didn't matter. Like, why was I so numb? And why was I like, I'm so like, I could get anything I want, but I feel nothing. And that's when I began going with the, like with me. Right. And what I figured out was what a liar I was and how I wasn't, I was people pleasing. I was keeping everybody happy. I was like, I was living for everyone else's opinion. And in the end, I felt nothing. Right. I wasn't saying I felt nothing. I told that boyfriend I loved him. I told my mommy I loved her. I told everybody what they needed to hear in that moment, but I didn't believe or feel any of it. And so that was the beginning of my like, what the? 
Also, lying is is a very energy inefficient thing to do, isn't it? I mean, if you start lying to everyone around you, you have to remember what you've said to who well, and it's very, very time consuming. You'd be more upset at how easy it was for me and how <laughs> no one was on to me at all. I went through my life and I gave up all my lies, right? And then according to science, every last human being lies on the average 11 times a day. Ooh. So wow. then 11 a day. Yes, you ladies, um, 11 a day. And so what happens is you have like, when we think of lies, you're like, I didn't sleep with them. Yes, you did. Right. So it's not that lie that's necessarily the one that, that is killing you. It's withholding information. It's not telling your real truth. Right. That upset me. That hurt me. I don't like that. Did you really mean to send that email? Like all the ways we accommodate what we think we're supposed to accommodate. We don't, I had, you know, you had the best date last night, but you know, she and her boyfriend just broke up. So you're not going to tell her it was the best date. Right. It was like, it was good. It was great. Right. You're going to under exaggerate, over exaggerate, avoid the conversation altogether. Like there's all the ways we posture. So when I went and cleaned up, all of my lies. I'm not talking, I, yes, there was the ones <laughs> that deserved a pitcher of beer over my head, which I actually got. But then there were the ones where I just was disappointed in my relationship with my father and never talked to him about any of it and decided it was just because he is that way. So then there's all the ways those are all lies because you don't actually ask for what you want, say what you want and deal with why you don't have it. In the book, in the chapter about lies, you have people perform an exercise to help them clean up their lies. Yes. And, you know, basically get them to list all of their lies and then begin to, you know, like you're saying, clean it up. Yeah. Why is it so important to do this? Do you have to do this to be able to move forward? Because there'd be people totally sitting there <laughs> going, I'm not doing that. Mm, yeah. <laughs> so... You know, I make this joke, where's the lying section in the book? So if you really look at any relationships that are falling apart, fell apart, like what we're miserable about in, in the world, in politics, and in anything we're upset about, we would all go, they lie. Mm. <laughs> right? right? Like lying is the source of so much pain in this world and offended and devastation. And then you go, where's the lying section in the bookstore? Where is it, girls? Right? Like, where is it? Yeah. How come we don't study the way we lie? How come there's no, there's no deep amounts of language on it? It's because we're all lying. It's because we're about. all lying that we're not lying. <laughs> we're, all, we're lying about right, lying. We're, right. We're lying about lying. <laughs> but completely. I think it's, it's also, it's just part of functioning in relationships that we have to fudge the truth sometimes, right? I am sure you believe that, <laughs> right? I am sure I'm that about you have parenting been, particularly at the I, moment. So, you know. I, I want you to know I don't lie. I don't lie to my kids. They know what drugs I've done. They know what sex I've had. They know what, they know everything I've ever done. And I'm also not trying to control them not to do it, mm -hmm. right? So, so there, there's a very different way to be. I'm not telling you, you need to be that way. I'm just saying there is this world is very interesting with how controlled we are mm. on right and wrong, good and bad, tell the truth, lie, lie for others. And so when you ask the question, why do I have people clean up their lies? It's because you don't know. So the, what I really care about is you being able to master and take over your inner dialogue the way you talk to yourself in the mirror, the way you 
deal with every way of being alive, being conscious to yourself, being in love with yourself, being in love with fulfilling on your life. And why you can't is because of how you lie, how you don't tell the truth to your kid, to that person, to your boss, to your, like you don't have a mechanism that lets you build your relationship in the way you really want because you're posturing for whatever reason you think you already know yourself or they won't understand or you shouldn't have to say that. Like there's all this cockamamie in our head and it sources all the way back to all the ways we lie. And so you think your relationship with this person or that person or this person or that person can't be profoundly better. And I could like fix that (laughs) with you figuring out about you in two sessions where all of a sudden you didn't even know it was possible. You could have a much more profound, interesting, intimate relationship. But yes, you're going to have to tell on yourself. And yes, you're going to have to admit what happened to you and your feelings and your thoughts and actually work it out with people. You'd be amazed at how lame people's sex life is in their marriage because they won't tell the truth. I think it's interesting that some people are just not outwardly gregarious. They don't want to share what's going on. So, I mean, what happens when you have a person like that? I mean, we we did a thing a little while ago where we did personality... um, testing. And even if you go to the extroverts versus the introverts, I reckon most people that are introverts are not going to sit down and go, yes, I want to tell you all about the things. So, I mean, should everyone be out there with everything? Would I rather be on a planet where everybody loved themselves enough to tell the truth and respected themselves enough to share their truth? Yeah. I would rather know anything you're thinking than for you to have to bullshit Do you understand when you lie to make me happy, when you lie to make me happy, you're putting yourself below me. Like you actually aren't making us two equal people. Your truth, my truth, your truth, my truth. What do you think? No, what do you think? (laughs) Right. You're like, oh, I love what you think. And I'm like, okay. And you're like, she's a nut, right? She's too extreme, but you want me to feel good. But literally in the moment you're busy making me feel good, your truth is worth less than mine. And you're making me feel good so that I like you better? Like, what are you doing that for? <laughs> That's like you go into every shop. That's what happens, right? Right. So there's, there's an incredible amount of fake manipulation versus intimacy and being present. And you're like, it's social grease, Lauren. There's an acceptable amount of people bullshitting each other. And I'm like, can we do something about that on this planet, ladies? Like, who's in charge of... I understand it's always been this way. I really do. You're right. But is it the way it has to stay? And what are you individually going to do about all the ways you lie? Yeah. Right? Mm. And then at least let me get in your face and tell you that it's... You could love yourself a whole lot more. I've always had this idea that I thought would be good for a comedy show, but maybe it isn't comedy called Tell It Like It Is Tuesday, where you just have a Tuesday where everyone just tells the truth. Yes. So you walk around and you're like, 
why did you pick those boots today? <laughs> they do yes. not go with the dress. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, you know, that coffee you made me was absolute crap. You <laughs> yeah. need to go back to barista school. So, you know, but what happens when everybody actually says their own truth? And, we, and then we have that, like you say, it's always been this way, yeah. this social cohesion yeah. of just smiling through the stuff. And is it, is it that you need to deliver it in a way that softens the blow or you just got to give it how <laughs> it is? Know. Like, no. they are the I'm, worst shoes I've ever seen. <laughs> no. So first of all, uh, the reason you would tell someone the truth is because you care. Right. Okay. Right? I'm not, I'm not like, I would like to make a more obnoxious world where everyone <laughs> is actually nasty because they fundamentally are on the inside. And so now they can totally express their nastiness. Mm-hmm. That's not the truth. Right. I'm not talking about that. That's so, that's not what I'm talking about. I am talking about that people never tell their mother who they love more than anyone, all the ways it hurts them. They feel less than, they're fake. We're talking about depth and intimacy and all the ways we withhold what we really want or need and what we wish was different. Even if you want a promotion, even if you want whatever you want, you'd be amazed that if I made a list of everyone in your life and I said, why don't you make a list of everything you're not saying to them that you wish you could, right? And even say why you wish you could. And you would find that you care Mm. and that you want a better relationship. And then you would also find that it's their fault you can't. Right? Like, well, they don't ask. They're my fault. I don't, I'm not good at this. I'm an introvert. Right? Like all of a sudden, all the excuses are accountable for the lies. Hmm. And then it's nobody's fault. And then we're blaming social grease. Like it's just the way it is in the world. Yeah. Right? And really what's happening is we're cowards for making life more honest. So I'm not talking about bluntly saying, I don't like your yellow scarf, right? Like, right. It's, I'm, I don't care about you. I'm very happy. Are you happy with that yeah, scarf? As long as you're happy. That's the main thing. This is really great. I'm loving this conversation. We do need to take a quick break, but we'll be back right after this. Can we back up a little bit? Because I think, I mean, obviously the core of a lot of what you're talking about is to do with lying. And I think that's excellent because I don't think that there's enough people Mm. talking about it. And so this is awesome. In your book, you also talk about emotional DNA. Mm -hmm. What is emotional DNA and why is it a problem? So much of our behaviours, whether we know it or not, we inherited and learned from our family or whoever raised us. And there is an emotional DNA, which is another way. I also make a joke that we have the epis, and that's a joke on epigenetics. So uh, what I have discovered, and I did not try to discover this or like go in on, I figured this out because it was frightening me how often it was happening with my clients, which is they were reenacting aspects of their parents' lives. Oh, wow. Whether Mm -hmm. they knew it or not. And so there's like this one epic story that changed everything for me and made me figure out the emotional DNA. Ready, girl? It's crazy. Come on, <laughs> bring, so I had a client, it on. bring it. So I had a client 
very successful woman, married, not sure if she wants to get divorced. Okay, not that happy with her husband, but they have a kid. And she drank too much, smoked cigarettes, wasn't really happy, wasn't having sex with him, wasn't like, what, like, oh, really, honey? Why don't we clean you up first and make you actually a happy person? Mm-hmm. And, then, and then we'll really look at him. Okay, so let's like do you first and then we'll do him. So imagine we do her first, then we do him, and they have the nicest divorce. Because they really both weren't that in love with each other and they were going to raise the kid. It was great. Okay, so imagine they have a lovely divorce. I then, I got my job done. She lost 30 pounds. She was out dating again. Like, yay, life all turned out, right? So I get this witchy feeling and I'm like, where is she? Right, like, <laughs> like one of these. And I'm, it's like two years since I had seen her. And I have a rule for all the work I do that if I ever get a witchy, like where is someone in my head and I can't shake it, yeah. I have to, call, I must find them, right? Something's up. She was about to move in. Like literally, I can't believe you called me. What do you mean? She was about to move in with her 29-year-old needing a green card. Oh, Oh. okay. Boyfriend, Spanish boyfriend. Okay. Okay. And now I'm like, you are a smart banker woman. Like, how is this a good idea? How do you, and like your kid, like, oh my God, get to my couch. Okay. You understand? Mm -hmm. So now here's what we found out. Her father, so this is the first time I started to just like try and put it all together. Her father had been married four times. Mom married three. Both are very happy on the last one they're in. Dad's second marriage was for two years to someone who needed a green card. Oh, okay. Oh, wow. Spanish. I was so freaked out. I was like, so then I started to deal with, you know, putting it all together. And then if you go study epigenetics, epigenetics screams that you don't just have your dad's blue eyes, Mm. you have his wandering blue eyes. So that's the meaning behind emotional DNA. You are more programmed than you really- than you think. A a friend of mine told me the other day that he has a couple that are friends and that the wife has decided to leave the marriage. And he said that part of it was that her parents had divorced at a certain age and so she just always had it in her head that that's, oh, wow. that's what would happen to her as well. So maybe that was a bit more of a conscious thing. But that's really interesting that you say that that what we grow up with, the idea that mm. it's in our DNA, that we can actually look at it and go, our emotions are that deep, is quite extraordinary. Totally. And, and then it's, it's the reason I think it's most interesting since I figured that out, which was at least eight or nine years ago, um, I could start having a person understand that even as weird as I'm, I've had two abortions, you would ask, like, not me, but if you had two abortions, you would go, I wonder if my mother had an abortion. And you're like, really? I'm like, yes, go ask. Like, you really think a lot that's happening in your life didn't come anywhere from your parents' dynamics. And we are reactions and we are really apples off that tree. It's not the exact same thing, but it is a variation. And if you start to tell me all about your siblings and you, right, and and dating and money and areas of life and even career and career changes, you think you're so original. And I will read all the stories of your siblings and you, and I will be like, hmm, 
I can tell you about your parents, right? Like I could start to tell you about that. And I think it's a way to love ourselves and heal our families and even care about evolving things, but we don't pay attention to it that way. Well, watch out because that's what your kids are going to then be part of or pursue or whatever it might be because they've got the DNA. It's not an excuse. It's just like a depth of understanding your own culture, right? Your own, your, your way. So then if you, so it would be like, you're like thinking about money would be a fine thing to go. Like, how do you relate to it? How much work do you have to do? How do you interact with it? Right. And then if you go, well, how do you see your mother interacting with it? And how do you see your Mm. father interacting with it? And how is, how, you know, did you invent your own? Are you a reaction to theirs? Right. Mm. Or, you know, so you really, it's not, it's, it, it makes a lot of sense as a way to angle how to d- dream. So the reason I care about you figuring out where you are about these things is so that you can actually invent something beyond the predictable of you or the predictable of your family. Not that, you know, oh, I was the first one to go to college and now you make your kid study every night, even though you really wanted to. We're a lot of reactions versus really understanding where we, why we came up with those. Mm-hmm. Can we talk about this idea that you um, do a lot of work with people on helping them to get what they want and know that mm. that's actually okay? Yeah. There's all the stuff about manifesting and what have you, but for a lot of people, life just sort of happens to them. Mm-hmm. Are they the sort of people that come your way and you're like, hang on, we can turn this around? No, <laughs> not even at all. Right. I am for the wannabe overachievers, came to live, came to rock, came to kick ass. I am a nightmare if you came to lay on the couch, (laughs) right? I am a nightmare. They get 30 seconds on the couch and that's it. If you want to figure out how to defend your extra 30 pounds, right, I'm the last person you want to talk to, right? Because I, you know, if you want to explain how your marriage is supposed to have a lame sex life because you've been together for 20 some odd years, I'm the last person you want to talk to, right? Because I think you should be in love with every area of your life and you should be thinking about how to be in love with every area of your life. And then I'm going to make you do everything. So you are, right? If you think you should have more time with your kids and you should play, right? I'm going to be like, exactly. Let's pencil. Like we're going to teach you integrity, right? And I teach people how to make promises to themselves and how to keep up. So is that the key then in terms of being or becoming unstuck? Is it, does it start with that identifying and then promising to yourself, you know, that that's the next step? So I think there's deep insights, Right. I think, you know, so I, I don't think it just works simply, right? Mm. Wanting something badly and then doing the work to get it and figuring out how to keep a promise is what's between you and happiness most of the time, right? Mm. Like you suffer every day, you suffer every day. You're sad about your body. You're sad, but you're, you're blaming your kid, your work, you're that, like you're just, but you're suffering every day. And the last thing you're like, really? 20 minutes of exercise, lose the bread, right? <laughs> let's try it for, let's lose the carbs, lose the dessert. And I didn't say starve, right? Let's make this diet and let's, you know, jump rope for 20 minutes a day, right? And you can stop as you're dying and figure out how to learn how to jump rope. You don't even have to go anywhere. It could be nine o'clock at night, right? There is no excuse. Let's do that for two weeks, and see what you think about yourself. 
it's so easy to make a short-term shift. And then what happens is, is people get addicted to how much better they feel or how much prouder they are of themselves. And this includes anyone from 10 years old. Like we do this in junior high school. Mm. I'm not making the promise your mother wishes you would make you. You know, like I'm asking you what you wish you were doing. And that kid wishes they were practicing singing right? Or learning words, right? And then they're intimidated by their own idea, right? Like they're scared to do that and then they do it and then they feel very different about themselves. So it's not like we, we, we change since we're 10. We're chickens or brats and we believe in concepts that stop us from dreaming, right? Mm. Because we're scared or moody. I think that thing of once you've overcome something, that was a great example you just gave about, I want to sing, but I'm so scared. But Mm. if you can cross that line and sing, the feeling that you get once you have achieved it, it, it's Mm -hmm. like a drug, right? Yes, though you will forget it if you like stop, like you go on vacation Mm. and then you're like, no, I really suck. (laughs) (laughs) Right, like, right, so if... It's a little like Groundhog Day and that you actually need to learn. You you always have to be keeping promises because humans are always trying to get out of things. Oh, yeah. And, mm-hmm. and don't feel bad about that either, right? It just comes with our packaging. You touched briefly on blame. Yeah. I have two small children and they are mad for a bit of blame and it yeah. drives yeah. me crazy. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yes. How do I, I keep saying to them, I'm like, you know what? Sometimes things just happen and trying to blame someone else for why it happened is not going to make you feel any better about the fact that it happened. Yeah. Am I on the right track? (laughs) Um, It's a lie, right? Blaming someone else Mm. is a way to make them, you know, so it's not my fault. It's your fault. It's you made me, right? So it's, it's it's the human, like I remember the first time, like my oldest lied over a cookie. (laughs) <laughs> right. Yeah. And had cookie on her face. Right. Like, and didn't quite understand I could see. <laughs> right. Even a little. Right. And then I'm like, did you have a cookie? No. <laughs> like, really? I'm like, come here, Kaya. Let's look in the mirror. Right. And then I showed her her cookie. Right. So your blame. Right. He made me because that it's like everything's about it's not my fault. So you love me right? So that I can get off the hook for getting in trouble. It's why we lie no matter what, right? It's ingrained. I need your love. I need you. Like, so if they're going to get in the same amount of trouble, no matter what they do, you really would go after the blame itself, right? My answer to what you're talking about was we had a jerk jar (laughs) and everyone and mommy and daddy also put money in the jerk jar. And if anybody was a jerk, they put money in the jar and we all knew we were going to be putting our allowance into the jar and that anyone who had the least amount of jerk won the money at the end of the week. Wow. So blame becomes irrelevant. A fight is two jerks. Like you make the game up and then you change the whole point, right? Everyone's going to be jerky. Everyone pays up. Someone's the least jerk who wins this week. And then blame becomes ridiculous. So for that person that's listening going, okay, this is resonating with me. Maybe it's me. <laughs> <laughs> I don't blame anyone for anything. Um, where, I mean, they need to get your book, obviously, but if you were to give them one piece of advice to get the ball rolling on what to do next, what's the first thing they need to do? My favourite thing, if I only had like the yes. shortest amount of time with someone is there's the one promise that if you kept that one promise for like two weeks and tell someone, 
it would change your life. Right. Like that's the Good. thing that's killing you, mm. right? It could be what time you get out of bed, right? It could be don't eat past seven o'clock at night, right? It, like there's, there's one promise that is the beginning of the domino effect, right? Like it will start the beginning of everything. And, it, and I just want the one promise you wish you would make that you're not making because you know it's the one you should make. I love that. Okay, everyone can do that. Cecilia, I'm going to promise to not fight with my children every morning. I really need to stop doing it because I know that it's a spiral. I know, but I do it anyway because I'm frustrated. But I'm going to tackle the communication differently. You're going to breathe through it. I have a great rule for so I don't fight with my kids. Mm -hmm. If I get snotty, nasty, mean, I call it hot in any way hot in any way. Anyone I get hot with, I owe 20 bucks to. <laughs> oh my goodness. I would be in trouble. Yeah. No, you'd, you'd learn your inside okay. voice. Okay. I'm going to learn my inside <laughs> voice. This has been excellent. Thank you so much for taking the time to chat with us. Do you want to let everyone know where they can access your book and you? So the book is Maybe It's You, Cut the Crap, Face Your Fears, Love Your Life by Lauren Zander. And um, we are the Handel Group. And um, my favorite thing that I'm like, if you don't want to spend a lot of money, but you want to connect to what we're doing, you would, I have a whole digital 10 sessions with me on Inner You. It's what it's called, inneryou.com. Love it. Thank you so much for taking the time to chat with us. Thanks for caring about finding me here in New York. Yes, we got there in the end. We did. All the time zone issues and everything. Thank you, Lauren. This has been confronting in a wonderful way. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) And we won't lie until we see you next time. That's a lie. And I won't care that you won't lie because I know we're all a bunch of liars anyway. I actually loved that one thing, promise that you're going to do something and tell somebody Mm. and do it for two weeks. Okay, so you're not going to yell at your children for two weeks. No, I didn't say I'm not going to yell at them. I'm not going to have an argument with them. (laughs) Okay, good. But I'm not the only person that has to ask 16 times for them to do something. No. And then my husband says to me the other day, well, maybe you you need to stop speaking to them like they're children and start speaking to them like they're adults. You said, but they're children. I know, right? It's like, mm, well, Livy's a tween. No, but she's still a child. Her brain works in the way that a tween's brain works. I agree. I agree. Yeah. Sorry, Chris. I don't think that approach will work. But it's worth a try. Well, I. so it works for him. That's the thing. It works. Ah. For him, yeah. But does that mean it's going to work for me? Well, I'll let you know how this goes. Anyway, okay. I'm going to give you a tip. Okay. The other morning, I said I tried an analogy. Yes. I said to my children, "Time minutes are like lollies; they just get eaten up really quickly in the morning." Mm-hmm. It's true. I thought maybe that okay is going to sink in. My children tend to actually like it when I be silly. They tend to respond oh, yeah. to the silly in the morning, of not the, the stern. If no, I pretend no. I'm on a PA mic and I'm like. Time to get dressed, children. Time to get dressed. <laughs> they think that's hilarious, and then yeah. they go and do it as opposed to yeah, make it a game. But oh, making it a game I do is better. Exhausting. I can do better in the morning. I have to say, human, and can do better. I think it's very interesting that Lauren pointed out to us that you know we all go around lying about stuff all the time, and I I think I'm actually a very bad liar. So I was like, but I do too, but I can see what she's saying, where you try and protect people by not telling them the truth, or you soften the blow, or you don't tell someone that they upset you. Yeah, Or maybe you do just flat out lie. 
<laughs> but I think I don't know. I don't. Th- I, yeah, I'm, I have to read the book to figure out where the line is. Where you know you, you have to have a like she says, you don't want you don't want society to just fall in a massive heap and everyone's just walking around, which is kind of what happens online sometimes, where people well, have true. no filter. That's yes. not that's not the truth. That that is that's right. not what we want. Mm. But the truth for yourself, and I think. Those making those decisions that make you feel good about what you're doing, I guess, is the thing, right? Mm-hmm. Hey, um, I think we might have a review that you need I to know. read out. We do. I oops, I got so excited, I just smacked the mic. Um, <laughs> <laughs> take that. We do. It says it's from Jazz L Brown. Hello. Hello. Sounds like a singer. jazz singer. Hmm. Mm-hmm. I love the podcast, ladies. I wait for each new podcast to come out. Your podcasts are informative, interesting, and have helped in all areas of my life. Keep them coming. Winning. Hashtag winning. Hashtag. Please don't forget to send your review in. You do that on <laughs> iTunes. Oh, iPodcasts, it's actually called now. Not iTunes. No. iPodcasts or Apple Podcasts, sorry. Um, so leave your review. It's not that hard to do. You just scroll down. to If you're on your phone, you scroll down to the bottom. You hit five stars and then you just write something really nice. <laughs> and off you go for the rest and of the day. And we will read it. And we would love to hear. I want to hear mm-hmm. specific episodes that people relate to. Like what was it about this episode that you loved or what was it about yes. any of the other episodes that really resonated? I like that because Please then do. it helps us. Well, we just had a little powwow before we came into the studio today too because we, we ended up with a slot available to do a, another record this week and you just rattled off like four people and four different things that we could do. I I'm did. Like, an endless supply it is, of wellness supply collective members are, are lurking out there. Anyway, we hope you enjoyed hearing mm-hmm. from Lauren Zander today. Uh, until next time. We hope this episode has left you feeling happier, healthier and better. 